Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast. That's me. Very, very special guest today. We're blessed to have with us Giovanni Piergrossi, my son. And uh, he was a guest once before, a few years ago. Remember that, G? Yeah, long, long time ago. Pennsylvania on uh, my parents, your grandparents' back porch. And uh, you were featured in the, our Telegram group a couple weeks ago. But yeah, a lot's happened in uh, those years since you are on here last time. So how do you feel like you've changed and how do you feel like you've transformed and grown in the past few years? You're 20 years old now, turned 20 years old in May. And uh, yeah. That's in the past year. That was probably you're probably like 16, 17 at that time. Yeah. I mean, it was uh quite a while ago uh when we did that last uh podcast. Um and yeah, I mean a lot has changed since gen since then. Um basically now, you know, I'm becoming now that I'm becoming more of a man and you know, I'm 20 years old, uh, I had to learn a lot of different things and I've kind of been thrown into the world, uh, becoming more independent. And because of that, I've focused a lot on self-development. And I think uh, the last time that we had that podcast, I was kind of first getting into self-development. I was kind of like taking my own route. Um, and that was when I first got into fitness because uh, I was doing calisthenics. And now I've kind of shifted from that to doing like actual weights and going to the gym um, and also I started reading now. So, you know, like not only have I been studying in, you know, in college, but also I've been reading as well. So I've been taking in new ideas. Uh, you know, I have like, you know, I'm in like a discord group, uh, for men. Um, and I have, you know, I'm in I, a lot of people, including you have been very influential in my life leading up to this point. So because of all these influences and because of all these, you know, all this knowledge that I've accumulated over the years, uh, I'm definitely uh, a lot different person than I was. Um, I would say the few parts of me are still the same, um, but I have changed a lot because I have a new perspective. I have a better idea of the world, understanding it, how it works, um, understanding psychology because, you know, uh, I'm studying psychology in college. So I'm able to understand the mind more and how other people's mind works. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, and also philosophy as well. I've been very interested in philosophy. Um, also like the stoicism, like the ancient Greeks. Um, so a lot of these things that I've learned, I've actually began to implement them into my life to make my own life better. And I'm continuously searching to the, you know, develop myself more which I think is important for every individual, because I think before you can do anything to the world, you have to develop yourself first. And that is what's most important because the greatest, our greatest enemy is not other people, it's ourselves. So if we can learn to, you know, handle ourselves, if we can learn to fight that battle first, then I think that's like the most important battle. Now, one of the things we've been talking about is uh, young men, and the state of young men in uh, 2021. So where do you think uh, 
what, what's it like for young men right now? What's, what's the state of consciousness? What's, what's the mindset? What are the challenges? Where are things at for people of your generation, particularly men of your generation, young men? Yeah. So, uh, I, I particularly, um, want to help young men, uh, just because of the fact that, well, for one thing, I'm a young man, but also, uh, I, you know, I've, I've just, I just felt like over the years, like I have a TikTok and I've been making videos on there that are kind of targeted to young men to help them. And the reason why I think a lot of young men are struggling nowadays in the modern era is because of the fact that, you know, a lot of, a lot of young men, you know, they, they don't really have father figures. Um, a lot of them, you know, they, they struggle to like understand relationships or dating. Uh, they struggle to, you know, be, be social. Um, a lot of them, you know, they have like low self-esteem. And I think a lot of the, the technology, social media, that has a big influence because, you know, social media is very superficial. And a lot of it is about, you know, trying to, uh, you know, be attractive, how many followers you have. So constantly young men are comparing themselves to other young men who they, you know, they may think, oh, these guys are more attractive and, you know, these guys who have more status because of their followers or whatever. And then on top of that, you have a lot of these uh, external things as well. Uh, I feel like technology in general has a lot of problems, but, and it, it isn't just for young men. I mean, it's for anybody of any age that's living in the modern era. There's a lot of problems. Uh, another problem as well is uh, pornography. A lot of young men struggle with uh, pornography addiction and they struggle with, uh, you know, if you go on Reddit, you can see things like NoFap where, you know, men have constantly, I mean, it's really amazing when you can see these forums of men talking about how pornography has destroyed their life, whether it's their relationship, whether it's, um, you know, just their, their day-to-day motivation uh, or, or it's caused them a lot of shame because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a very, a lot of people, you know, kind of say, oh, it's a healthy thing. And, and I was told that as well. And because I've personally struggled with uh, pornography addiction, I understand what other young men go through when they're struggling with that, because I realize that it is very detrimental to your life and, and your relationships. And, uh, you know, it, it really like, it, there's a, a, a book that's called your brain on pornography. And it really talks about how it messes up your neurochemistry, uh, your, and your dopamine it's, and it's very addictive. Um, and I think a lot of things in our era is, is along the same way because it, you know, one of the main things I think of pornography is it kind of takes you out of reality. It kind of, you know, you, you basically end up becoming addicted to seeing women on a screen. And not only is it, you know, not only you, are you objectifying the women, but also, uh, you're kind of used to this 2d reality, which isn't even real. And you don't, you know, and young men who have yet to even form real relationships are actually replacing, you know, real intimate relationships with something they're seeing on a screen. And you can already tell how unhealthy this is. And then also there's a lot of other things like, you know, evolutionarily, you know, we were, uh, you know, sex was kind of a, a rare thing for us back in the day when we were primates. But now that we, have it on this screen and you can see all these women in a span of, uh, you know, five minutes, it's very addictive. Um, and, and you can already see the problems that that comes with. And unfortunately society is kind of not really focusing on this as much as it should be focused on. And a lot of self-improvement groups I see with 
young men, this is one of their targets is uh, kind of like no fap or, um, you know, what do they call it? Like semen retention or whatever. A lot of people are, a lot of young men are kind of uh, going this to this self-improvement route where they might do uh, semen retention or they might, you know, do things like cold showers, which is another thing. Um, uh, cold showers uh, was made popular by Wim Hof. You know, he, he kind of made the idea of like the, the breathing methods and the cold showers. Uh, so cold showers is one thing. Meditation, obviously. Um, a lot of these things are kind of known as like the, the common self-improvement. And then obviously working out as well. That's another that's like a basic one. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems, um, you know, also with the, the fast food. Fast food is the same as pornography because it kind of targets this primal aspect of ourselves and, it, and it's very addictive. And, um, I, you know, in a way, in a way, because it, it might not seem like it, but to me, I feel like it also pulls us out of reality because we're not eating real food. We're not eating like food that's natural, that comes from the ground. We're eating like this garbage that, you know, these fast food restaurants like, uh, produce that's like highly processed, uh, very sugary, a lot of fats, uh, a lot of things that are just like not good for you at all, you know. And and um, unfortunately, these foods are very addictive, and you know they 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 they're, they're unhealthy, but like you know they're very addictive. So it's like you kind of have it's the same thing with pornography, where it's like you have to pull yourself out of this kind of very primal like short term pleasure. Uh, way of thinking because that will destroy you over the long term. You know, it's kind of like that thing where it's like you have to sacrifice pleasure in the moment to achieve those long term pleasures, which are much more beneficial because of a lot of the reasons why young men are depressed and, you know, they're, they're not happy in their lives is because they feed into these short term pleasures. They feed into pornography, fast food, uh, video games, um, drugs, you know, things like these that are things like this that are destroying young men. And it's not even in terms of like, uh, because a lot of people will say, well, oh, you know, th this is like a religious conservative idea, but it's not really a religious conservative idea. That's why I find it so amazing that people say this, because this is just your day to day discipline. Like this is just discipline that any logical person can understand and implement into their life. And if you can't like you know, if you're if you can't control yourself and you're constantly falling into, you know, this what I call it, like the matrix of the world, if you keep falling into the matrix, then it's going to eat away at you over time. And you're not going to actually see uh, actually reap the benefits that you want to reap. So a lot of it is about discipline. And I think a lot of young men, uh, what they're lacking today is discipline, but they're also lacking drive and the empowerment needed to kind of push them forward and give them the life that they want to have. And what, what do you feel is the state of masculinity right now? Yeah. So that's another, that's another uh, aspect as well, because part of self-development is kind of looking into yourself and, you know, finding out like looking into the core of yourself and stripping away all, all this like excess stuff. That's just, hanging there and, and getting in the way of your, of your self-improvement. And I think masculinity, that's what masculinity is. A lot of people think that uh, there's this idea, you know, that's commonly spread around of like toxic masculinity and masculinity is a bad thing. And, you know, like, because 
uh, of like, the, uh, you know, men, men treat women a certain way, masculinity should be taken away. Now, I'm not saying everybody thinks this. I say it's like, it's a, it's a large group of people, but it's not everybody. And I think uh, the problem with this is that a lot of young men uh, are misguided. You know, a lot of young men, like they don't, they don't have these father figures and they're kind of pulled into these like, you know, kind of these instant gratification. And when all this is going on, when they not only do they not have any guidance, not only are they do they not have fathers, but they're also told that masculinity is bad. They're told that being a man is inherently a bad thing. And you can see how detrimental that is to the children of our society, to the young boys of our society and the young men when they're told that they're inherently worthless, that like they can't be they can't be proud. They can't be uh, they can't have pride in being a man. And, uh, you know, I, I think this idea in society is not really I can kind of understand where it comes from, but it's not really leading us down the path that we want to go. And a lot of the reason why young men are not as driven as they should be to live better lives is because they lack the masculinity, because they lack this drive. And that's really all masculinity is, because uh, in ancient Greece, in in ancient Greek philosophy, they had this idea of thumos. And uh, if you look up uh, Elijah Long on YouTube, who I really admire, he talks a lot about this, but there's the idea of thumos, which is kind of, it's kind of like uh, courage, or it's, it's kind of like, it's synonymous with the blood or the breath of the body. And it's the driving force behind, you know, there's, there's like Plato said there was three aspects to the body. There was the logic, there was the appetite, and then there was the thumos. And the thumos is what drives you. It's what pushes you forward. And that's really all masculinity is. You know, when you think of like testosterone, what is testosterone, right? Testosterone is like the, the um, chemical that's like highly abundant in males. And, you know, if you look over the years, uh, you can see that on like, if you look at like a chart of testosterone, you can see it's just gone down. It's just like, it's just jetted down. And it's amazing. You know, you know, you can think of all the reasons why we'll probably, you know, the food we're eating, probably like the fact that we're not exercising as much, probably, uh, you know, also stress as well. Like a lot of these things decrease testosterone. Um, and I'd actually say pornography probably also is another thing to blame, but, um, you know, all these things are decreasing testosterone, but really like what does testosterone do? Well, yeah, it makes you more aggressive. You know, it makes you uh, more driven, things like that. But really what it does is it pushes us to do those things that we don't want to do. Um, Mark Passio explains it as it's it's what allows us to say no. It's the it's um, it's the it's the lost word, which is no. Right. It's like when somebody gives you BS, you know, when somebody tells you something that you don't agree with or when somebody tries to tell you to do something that you you know, with your intuition, you don't really feel is right for you to do. You're not going to say no if you don't have any testosterone. You're not going to say no if you don't have that masculinity within you. And in the same way, you're not going to be be driven to do those things that are kind of uncomfortable or are kind of painful unless you have that testosterone. I mean, uh, like masculinity is what allowed men to go into battle because, it, you know, they were it, it was it was scary to go into battle, but they still went into battle because they had this this inherent essence within them that's driving them. And I don't even want to say testosterone because 
testosterone makes it like this materialistic physical thing. But I think masculinity is, is, is actually more spiritual. Um, and that's not to, to downgrade femininity because I think that's just as important. And that goes, I mean, that goes a lot deeper. I can probably explain that later, but masculinity is something our society is lacking. And I feel like, you know, we live in a very, uh, emotional society where everything is an emotional reaction. You know, somebody says something to you, you get hurt, you get, you know, you, you feel offended. And it's like, I need to, you know, change society. I need to like get angry and blame everybody else for my problems instead of actually taking ownership of the problems that you are facing within your own life and handling them on your own. You know, that that's where the empowerment comes in. That's where the masculinity comes in because not only are you standing up for yourself when people try to get you to do things that you don't want to do, but you're also standing up for yourself in general because you're not blaming other people. You're, you're taking on the responsibility, uh, on your own, you know, you're not, you're not like, and I feel like in society nowadays, a lot of people play the victim, you know, they constantly blame other people for their problems. And there's, there's kind of like two problems with that because one is like, you're not allowing yourself to solve the problem. Like you're kind of elongating the problem and you're not, you're not actually solving it because you probably do have the potential to solve that within your own life, but you are not actually awakening to the fact that you have that capability. But then the second problem is you're now you're now you're making the problem a societal problem. Now you're making it a problem that other people have to deal with. And you're kind of blaming other people and you're you're shaming them for something that you have to deal with on your own. And what a lot of people don't realize is that if everybody took on their own problems like in the world, like I always kind of think of this if every single human being was able to get out of the victim mentality and take on the, their own problems within their own life, then we would literally live in a utopia because the problem is, is we always look to other people to solve our own problems. And because, and it, it, there's a lot of reasons why that is, you know, mainly it's a lack of empowerment, but the, the, what we don't understand is that the more that we allow other people to solve our problems, the, the less, the more power we're giving away from ourselves. And really that kind of creates a, an unequal society. A lot of people are worried about, oh, society is unequal and these people are privileged and these people are not. But really what it is, is uh, uh, an unbalance of empowerment. And it's, it's a, a disempowerment with the, with the general population, with the people. And through empowering the people, through getting people to be uh, self-sufficient, self-reliant and, and empowered through doing that, we can bring harmony back to our society. We can bring harmony back to uh, the, the people that need this, you know, because mental, like, let's, let's be honest, like um, mental illness is on the rise, right? Depression is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. Why are these things on the rise? You know, it's, it's more than just a societal problem. It's an individual problem. And a lot of times when we try to create groups with, you know, and, and, you know, with politics and all this, we try to create like the left and the right. And, and we try to say like, uh, you know, try to divide people by race, like black, white, you know, or gender, male, female, like the things I'm talking about have, have nothing to do with these groups of people. It's an individual thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's about empowerment, right? And masculinity is 
you know, like I'm talking about young men because, you know, like the suicide rate is three times higher for young men and I'm a young man and I realize like the, the problems that they're going through, but it's, it's with women as well. I mean, like all of society is, is struggling with this idea of empowerment and victimization. And a lot of the problems that we're facing in our society today is because of that lack of empowerment. So I think there's an interesting thing that I've been noticing about empowerment, which is I think people want, uh, they feel like there's a massive inequity in the world, which there is massive inequity in the world. So then they want to create more balance, uh, more balance of power. So, you know, so far it sounds good. Like so far, okay, that's, this is great. But then the way that they're doing it is they want to basically, instead of bringing, instead of empowering everyone to a higher level of empowerment, bring everybody down to their level of disempowerment. So we're all on the same level of disempowerment. So the way you disempower the people is there's basically three qualities that I see that are really prevalent right now. Shame, blame, and guilt, you know, shame, people, blame, people, guilt, trip, people, and then you're disempowering them. And then, then everyone's feeling a sense of shame and blame and guilt. And then we're all disempowered and now we're all equal. You know, oh, we're all, we're all equally disempowered. But what about if we all raised each other up to an equal level of empowerment, to full empowerment, to the full. And I like, I love how you're talking about the spiritual component, right? Cause it's really is a spiritual realization. You know, this true level of empowerment comes from the spiritual re- uh, realization of, of who we really are, you know, an unlimited empowerment and an, an unlimited potentiality inside ourselves. So I see, uh, instead of trying to take each other down to be equal, to, um, to inspire each other, to open each other up to greater and greater levels of empowerment. So we're all equally empowered to the recognition of who we really are as one with the uni- universal creative intelligence, also known as God. And the other, um, the other uh, component of that is that there's this sense that power is scarce. It's a scarce resource. So this, is, this, this consciousness of scarcity is the misunderstanding that creates so many problems for us. You know, there's a scarcity of love. There's a scarcity of power. There's a scarcity of freedom. Um, but there's not. There's unlimited. There's, you know, the universe has no borders. So there's no borders to how much love there's enough love for everybody. There's enough freedom for everybody. There's enough empowerment for everybody. So um, if we can get rid of this scarcity consciousness of like, oh, if I have power, then you don't have power. Or if you have power, then I don't have power, right? No, it's if, if you have power, I also have power. You didn't take anything away from me. And if I have power, I didn't take anything away from you. There's, there's, it's, it's not a scarcity thing. You see, it's like, it's just unlimited. And um, that recognition, that realization, I think is a real game changer to wake into that consciousness together. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree with you. And uh, when you were talking about how it's a spiritual uh, thing, I I also, I think that's really powerful because our society, I mean, you can just tell what's going on in our society. Like if you look at like the, the far right, right. I, I was, I always kind of like think of this idea, but if you look at like the, the right or the conservatives, it's like, very heavily religious and it's like Christian and it's like very dogmatic. And then if you look at the left, it's like, it's like very 
it's like nihilistic, but then it's also like humanistic too. So it's like humanism, but like on a nihilistic or like atheistic basis. So we're kind of like, we have these two, like we have this like super religiously dogmatic side. And then we have this like, you know, kind of like, it's also dogmatic, but in like a different way. It's like, it's like humanistic, but like uh, it's on these like these, this rigid terms of like humanism uh, that has no like religious ba- religion basis. Cause like, you know, the left doesn't like religion and, and the right thinks that the other people are like immoral. So basically we have to ground ourselves back into like our true spiritual roots, which is like, like esoteric. And it's kind of the idea that like, there's a divinity within us all, right? There's, there's an inherent worth worthiness within us all. And it's like, it comes back to the idea of self-love. And I actually just made a a video on this earlier today, uh, where somebody asked me, they're like, how can I love myself? And I said, the question is not, how can you love yourself? The question is, how can you not love yourself? Because society tells us not to love ourselves. Society tells us that we're not worth anything. Society, like, and that's the only thing I think people have to be worried about. You know, when people say, oh, I'm scared of the elites or I'm scared of these higher up people. The only thing you should fear is feeding into that, their idea that you're not worthy, that you can't be empowered. That's the only thing you should fear. Other than that, there's nothing else to fear. And, and that you can control. That you can, as long as you don't feed into this psychological manipulation that makes you believe that you're disempowered and you need to uh, believe in a, a, a government or, or a God or any of these things that are outside of yourself, as long as you don't like understand, like as long as you understand that this divinity is within you and you're part of this bigger source, you're part of this, this thing that's like so much bigger than you. And, it, and you're part of that. If you understand that on like a, a fundamental spiritual level, then that is like, what is the most powerful? That, that is like the most powerful understanding that you can have. And uh, I think, I think that's something our society is missing because people are clinging to these political ideologies. People are becoming very like nihilistic, you know, like people are kind of, they feel like there's no meaning in life and life is like, you know, inherently meaningless. And then there's scientism and there's atheism and people are clinging all to all these isms and all these, uh, all these ideologies, all these like political ideologies, but there is like a fundamental truth that cannot be, that, that cannot not be taken away from. And I used to think like, I, I, I went through all these different stages. I, I was probably everything you can think of. I was a, I was a leftist. I was a liberal. I was a, I was a, a person on the right. I was a conservative. I was super religious. I was an atheist. Like I went through all of these stages. Right. And I've come back to the idea that there is one fundamental truth. And that is that there is an inherent divinity within you. And this is the reason why I've come back to this is because not only is it uh, like a, a belief system of truth, but also it is like a practical belief system and it allows you to better influence the world it allows you to better uh like like people can actually like i'm not even lying people can actually see this within you if you really uh, have this belief rooted within yourself that there is like an unbreakable aspect within the human body that that the humans have this inherent quality within them um people will actually be able to see that like people will actually like you'll be talking and people will say like you know people will notice that there's like a light within you 
and that you're there's this like source like this uh and as as you said like because uh, you were talking about how there people believe empowerment is like scarce you know like there's like a, like these things are scarce love is scarce right but this source this source that's this divine source that's within every person this is it is infinitely abundant infinitely so it's infinitely abundant with empowerment it's infinitely abundant with love it's infinitely i i kind of like to think of it it's a creative source because creation has no limit like it, it, you like that's kind of my idea of what god is is god is creation god is the source of creation and god is inherent within all of us like we are god but god is also us right so understanding that understanding that belief that we are all creators and we are all creators of our own reality which is opposite to the victim idea because the victim idea is that we are the reaction right like we are uh we are the effect and everything else is the cause like this you know this world is the cause and we're the effect if coming back to this spiritual idea kind of switches that around and tells us that we are the cause and everything else around us is the effect. And like I said, it goes beyond just spiritual. It's also very practical because how are you going to be able to change your life if you think that you are not the source of your life, that you're not the creator of your life, right? If you believe that you're the victim and that the world is against you and that everything is out of your control, then that's when people become disempowered. That's when people believe that they need somebody else. They need this higher up person to do things for them. But when you actually look out at history and you look at like, who are the most influential people? Martin Luther King was he, he was, he wasn't a politician. He was your, you know, an average person. He was like a, a, a preacher at a church and he had a dream. He said, you know, I had a dream. I have a dream to, you know, change the world. And he did it. But he wasn't any of these politicians. He wasn't like he was your everyday person. He was like a, an, an average person that decided to do this. Right. And, and mostly throughout history, most of the people that have done the most fundamental changes in society have not been politicians. They have not been these people in like, you know, super elite positions. They've been the common people. And the reason why that is, is because to make a change, you don't have to be you don't have to be a politician. You don't have to be some, you know, grand person. You don't have to be a celebrity. You just have to be human. You just have to understand that you have the ability to make a change and not just in the world, but in your own life. And like I said, you have to make that change in your life first, because a lot of people, and, and this is one of the main problems I see, a lot of people cling on to these ideologies and the, and these belief systems because they're already, they're not complete within themselves. And they're kind of, a lot of people are broken, whether it's, you know, from trauma, whether it's from these kind of things uh, that happen to them throughout their life, they have a lot of internal work to do, right? Because certain things, like there, there are certain things that are out of our control. I'm not saying that everything is in our control, but, and this kind of goes to the idea of stoicism, like these things that are out of our control, they don't really affect us. And, and what I mean by that is that like, like when you let, when you allow things to affect you, it's like a choice because basically there, so think of it like this. Like I, you know, 
I, I like to think of there's things that are out of our control and there's things that are in our control. So there's things that like we can influence directly. Like if I want to go to the gym and like, I want to work out, that's something I can choose. Right. I can like, I can like work out really hard and, and uh, become healthier and, and get a body that I'm confident with. Right. But there's things that are also outside of our control. Like, you know, if I get like a, a really bad illness or if I get in a car accident or if like, you know, uh, uh, some, I, there's like really bad weather that destroys my house. Like these things are out of my control, but what people don't realize about these things is that we still have the mentality to perceive these things in what, whatever way we want. So like, yes, I don't have control over like a car accident, but I do have control over letting that either destroy my life and like making it seem like my life is over because I have gone through things like that. I, I have like, there's been things in my life that have been very hard for me to deal with. And if it wasn't for changing my mindset about those things and cultivating a growth mindset, then those things would have completely destroyed me. And a lot of people, they allow these things to destroy them because they get into the idea that they are the effect, right? Instead of realizing that they are the cause. And when you realize that you have a hundred percent control, not over, not, not just over these things that, uh, you know, you think you have like physical control over, but also these things that you have mental control over. When you realize that you have a hundred percent control over your life, it's, it's extremely powerful, extremely, because most people do not realize this. Like most people do not realize. And, you know, and, and that, that goes to the idea of stoicism, which was, you know, that ancient, uh, an ancient Greek philosophy that I got really into. And that's the idea where it's like, how do you strengthen the mind? How do you like, how do you allow yourself to actually like actually uh, face suffering head on, right? Which also is, is Buddhism as well, because Buddhism is like transcending suffering. But the reason why I like stoicism so much is because it's a much more practical uh, philosophy that it's about like living your life, but also learning how to face suffering and our world um and and you and me we, we've talked about this dad our world is uh is way too comfortable right um our world is you know we have everything at our hands like we you know back in the day like just to get food you would have to fish you know you'd have to like make your own fire to heat up your house um you know, there was like wars and stuff like like back in the day, things were just a lot harder. You know, nowadays you can like come home, turn on the TV, eat a eat a bag of potato chips, you know, like like watch pornography. Like you do all you could smoke a joint. You could do all these things that are like super comfortable, super, you know, like like, oh, you know, this you're like in this bubble of comfort. You know, everything's so easy for you. Right. And when something bad happens to you and it burst this bubble you're like oh my god what the hell you know you're like you're, you're like like it's just so hard to deal with and it's because you don't actually allow yourself to cultivate the mindset that faces suffering you don't allow yourself to actually empower yourself so why do you think people should do that why, why would someone want to face suffering well it, it's it's like what i said so it, it's it's like well, first of all, it's like preparing yourself. It's like allowing yourself to 
actually because okay suffering is inevitable right like everybody it's very cliche suffering is an inevitable part of life so we all know that it doesn't matter who you are you can be like a multi-dollar billionaire there's still going to be something that's going to happen to you that you're not going to like in your life right and you have to deal with this yeah like everybody has to deal with some type of suffering in their life and like no matter you know how happy people seem like it's something i realized in my life like somebody like you'll ask somebody how are you doing and they'll be like oh i'm doing great you know but you don't actually know like people walk around daily like pretending to be happy because that's the social that's the social or that that's like the social norm is to walk around and have a smile on your face because if you look like a depresso and you're angry all the time then people you know you're not going to be accepted by society so like if you're depressed you know, and it's becoming less and less like that, you know, like mental health, mental illness is uh, becoming more accepted, which is, you know, has its its good and bad aspects to it. But um, and that's that's another subject. But uh, but yeah, like people seem happy, but a lot of people actually are suffering like a lot. of Like I would say, you know, like more than half of people are, are going through something. Right. But why should someone face their suffering? Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, so basically the idea is that suffering is inevitable. So everybody goes through suffering and the reason why you should face your suffering is because of that simple fact that suffering is inevitable and you're going to have to face it. And no matter how much you try to pull away from it, no matter how much you try to like go into this comfortable bubble, right? This bubble of comfort, it's always going to be burst. And the more you move away from it, the more it's going to hurt when you actually face it. Right. Uh, and on top of that, uh, a lot of people kind of try to numb themselves, whether it's through, like I said, like, like pornography is a big thing, but also drugs as well. A lot of people, you know, they, they smoke marijuana to get away from stress or they get become alcoholics or, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways like people do it through relationships as well. Like people, uh, get into relationships that are like dysfunctional and toxic. And they do that because they feel like that's going to make their life better. They feel like they can avoid their problems by entering this relationship and by that, like numbing them to their, to suffering. But the problem is, is that unless you face this suffering head on, it's always going to nag at you and it's always going to be worse for you unless you actually find a way to, um, transcend it or to, to handle it. Right. And that's the idea of stoicism is learning how to actively handle suffering, learning how to face it. And, uh, another, another aspect as well is, uh, there, there is a, a philosopher named Epi, Epicurus, uh, and there's this idea of Epicureanism, which is like a, an, also an ancient Greek philosophy, and this philosophy is also like, it's kind of interesting. Like when you look at how all these ancient philosophies and religions were connected, because uh, a lot of these ancient Greek philosophies actually really remind me of like Buddhism. Um, and, you know, cause Buddhism has the idea of like transcending suffering. Like how do you transcend suffering? And why did Siddhartha Gautama even want to find a way to transcend suffering? Because he was like this he, he was a very compassionate person. He was like, he, he lived in this, in this palace. He was like a, a prince, you know, he had everything he, he, everything anybody would want he had. Right. But then he walked down into the world. He saw like the average people. He saw that everybody was like tremendously suffering. And he's like, I want to find a way to end this. Right. 
a lot of people nowadays, and I, I think you can, like, I think society is to blame. But then again, like, like I said, like the society is a result of the individual. Um, but yeah, I, I think like our general society today, uh, like a lot of people, there's this idea that instead of like, and, and this is like, um, I, I would like to call it like a meme. Cause like, what is a meme? A meme is like a, a popular idea that's spread, right? So there is a meme that, that uh, instead of facing suffering, you should kind of like become a depresso and like go on like, you know, these antidepressants or like find a way to like avoid it and find a way to numb yourself to it. But, and, but there needs to be a, a reason to face the suffering. So if we don't give people a reason to face the suffering, then they're just going to say, well, why should I face it? I'll just not face it. And I'll just do all these different tactics to avoid it. So I think we has to, the root of it needs to be to understand like, why are we here? Like when you go into like spiritual uh, teachings, there's basically two core questions, right? And it's, the questions are, who am I? And why am I here? Those are the, tor- the two key questions for every individual to get clear on an answer within themselves. So the, why am I here part, you know, obviously these questions we can answer, we can put in different language, you can different words and different cultures and have done that in different terminology, but one cr- uh, primary reason that we're here is to awaken in our consciousness, to grow and evolve and awaken in our consciousness. And the only way to do that is to face the challenges that are before us. Like the challenges that are before us are not by mistake. You know, those are the lessons that we're here to learn. It's very much, it's like school. It's very much like school. Like, you know, you can't get to second grade without learning the lessons that you need to pass in first grade. And then you get to the next grade, the next grade. And that's how it is with wisdom and our consciousness. You know, those the challenges that are before us, they're there. They're the exact things that we're supposed to experience to learn the lesson. And once we learn the lesson, then we don't have to repeat that, that lesson again. We don't have to repeat that class again. But if we avoid uh, the challenge, then we're stuck. You know, we're stuck. And then the, the, that, that feeling of stuckness is what creates the sense of suffering. Right. So I like to make a distinction between pain and suffering. So pain is of the moment, you know, and pain is inevitable. Um, Pain is a part of having human body, having emotions, all these things. Right. But suffering is not inevitable. Suffering is when we don't uh, we're not present with the moment. We're not fully um, we're not fully present in the moment. And we're not then able to respond consciously, intentionally to the moment. So then suffering comes from resisting the moment. And if there's not resistance to the moment, then there's not suffering. But we live in a world where there's a lot of resistance to a lot of things. And then there's a lot of suffering, you know? So I think what Buddha was pointing to and what these different great, you know, teachers are pointing to historically and presently is to be uh, present in the moment and to embrace the challenges in front of us. And when we can embrace the challenges in front of us, um, these things that we think are bad and against us and shouldn't be happening. They're not bad against shouldn't be happening. They're actually there for our benefit. um, Provided we learn the lesson that is there for us inherent inside it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, yeah. And, and what you were talking about with like the resistance to, uh, or I guess the resistance to pain um, yeah, I kind of like to think of it as like people cause their own suffering. Like there's suffering that's inevitable 
And whether you want to call that pain or whatever, you know, you can label that whatever you want, but there's suffering that's inevitable and it's out of our control. And then there's the way you respond to that. Right. So like, if I, like, if I get it, like I said, it's like the, that's the idea of stoicism. Like if I, if I get an illness or something, you know, like obviously that's a horrible thing and I'm going to have some emotions about that, but whether I let that linger for like a year and I, I don't do anything about it and I just sink into this depression and I let like, I like have this belief that like the, the world is like out of my control. And like, you know, I, I start like creating these stories in my head that, and that's all they are. They're, they're stories, right? I create all these negative stories. Um, that's when I'm actually doing it to myself at that point, there's not actually anything happening to me anymore. I'm just causing my own misery. And you prolong that through numbing yourself through these drugs or, or whatever you may do, you know, like whether, you know, whatever you're like, however you're numbing yourself to this pain, you're actually prolonging that. And like you said, it's resistance. You're prolonging that, uh, that uh, suffering and misery, right? When you actually, if you, if you deal with it and, and, you know, obviously this takes like, you know, this takes uh, practice and, uh, it's something, you know, it's something that's done through self-development. But after you actually realize like this inherent ability you have to deal with suffering and realize that you do have, you know, control, you are the creator of your life. Once you understand this, then you come to the realization that this suffering does not have to linger unless I want it to. And most people don't want it to, right? But in a way they do because they're letting it linger. Like, like, that's the only thing that like when somebody like tells me like, like, they're like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm in depression or whatever. Like, really what they want to hear is like, they, they want to like, they want somebody to like, feel like sympathy for them and empathy, which is important. Like you, you want to show that you care for somebody. But the problem with a lot of the, uh, you know, psychiatry and psychology today is that people like actually like like start pitying the person, you know, people pity the person. They say, you have a problem, you have depression, you have this mental illness, right? And they label it as if it's like a thing that actually is out of their control, right? And that is one of the main issues with our, with the, you know, mental illness in our society today, because the way we go about solving the mental illness is actually counterproductive. It's, it's actually making what's not a problem, a problem. And in doing that, we prolong uh, we actually do a disservice to the person because instead of telling them that they're causing this for themselves, instead of telling them that they're putting themselves, you know, into their own pit, we actually, uh, we actually label it and we keep them there, you know? Yeah. Like, so the there, best there's, way- there's two, there's two stages I think that are important to break down here, like pretty clearly. So there's situations where, um, people are, people are victimized, you know, that's, that's part of, uh, this world. So someone could be, uh, they could be sexually abused as a child, or they could, they could have been bullied and beaten up in a playground by kids that are bigger than them. And they were really small, you know, older kids, stuff like that. So, um, these are situations where someone is a, is a victim and then they, they could have trauma from that situation that still lingers, you know, and there's a lot of, um, trauma in the world a lot of collective trauma like you know there's individual trauma there's collective trauma like um so then the question is all right so that's what happens so now what do you do about it right 
What do you do about it? What is the way out? That's the real question. Like, what is the way out? And a lot of people don't want to talk about that. And the reality is because they don't want you to get out. They want to keep you disempowered so they have power over you. But they kind of trick you, manipulate you like, oh, let me help you. I'm the one. You need my help. But that keeps you in a place of disempowerment. You can't help yourself. You know, you need you need our help. You know, and this this happens in a lot of different ways. We can get into specifics a little bit. But the what is the way out? You know, what is the way out of uh, being of, of the victimized state? What is the way out of the traumatized state? And the only way out, there's only one way out, and it's to it's it's to become empowered. Um, so if we want to help people, if we really care about people, if we really love people, then what we really want is to empower people. Mm-hmm. And if we're not if we're not doing our best to empower people, um, then we don't really care about those people, and we don't really love those people. It's it's disingenuous. It's not being honest. It's not being authentic and it's not being, it's not being genuine. It's you're just further keeping people entrapped in disempowerment uh, mindsets in a victimization consciousness and in, and in, and in states of trauma, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to make that connection that true love and true care means we're doing everything we can to support that person to become empowered. And like we said earlier, to become empowered is really just to become aware and connected to who you really are because who you really are is that divine spark. You know, who you really are is that, is that, uh, God consciousness is that, uh, full empowerment. You're fully free. You're fully free. You're fully empowered. You're fully in love. You're fully in in a state of harmony and equilibrium inside yourself. That is the true natural state of who we are. And it's supporting people to recognize that or realize that, and actualize that in their lives. Yeah. And I think it, it shouldn't really be hard to come to that conclusion that that's our natural state when you understand that this trauma that people have is like, that's, that's unnatural. Like that's something that causes people to, it's like, like I said, like I, I, like I was making a video and somebody was asking, how do I love myself? And I was saying that you have to get rid of all this BS that's like in your mind. That's like telling you, you're not worthy. And when people like, you know, cause there's like a, there's like intentional ways where people cause people to be disempowered and there's like accidental ways. And it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a mix, but a lot of what I see nowadays is like people, like people kind of misunderstand what is real compassion. Right. So like if you have a child, right. And you're trying to you, you want this child to like blossom. You want this child to be fully independent. You want them to do well. Then you have to discipline the child. You're not going to like give them a bunch of toys. You're not going to say, do whatever the hell you want and like get in trouble and like treat people horribly. No, you're going to like tell them the difference between right and wrong. And you're going to allow them to grow, to, to develop their own independence so they can blossom in the world, right? But nowadays, like what we see as compassion is like letting people do whatever they want and like telling people like, you know, if they're depressed and like giving them all this like sympathy and like, you know, say, oh, I feel so bad for you. And like, I have all this pity for you instead of actually telling them like, and like you said, being honest with them and saying like, listen, man, you need to get up and like, you need to like start developing yourself, right? You need to like 
start like you need to go outside you need to get some sunlight you need to start working out you need to do these things so you can get back into the flow of how you were and get out of the bed right and it's not even like a like i, I sound like david goggins right now but it's not even like about that it's like uh it's just like it's such it's such like a common sense and the fact that people don't understand this is like what's sad right um and it's it's with a lot of things like you know i i see it as well uh with the whole, like with obesity, you know, like there's a lot of people where like, and, and I think self-love is the first step. Like for me, it was like, it, it, I had to love myself before I actually started working out because working out is a form of self-love. It's like a, it's like a form of like understanding that you love yourself. So you have to take care of your body. Uh, but a lot of people like, it's like very strange. It's like when you see somebody who's like, who's like overweight or something, instead of saying like, you know, like, oh, uh, and especially for people that like, you know, because a lot of the people who are like overweight, they feel a lot of shame and they feel like a lot of uh, of sadness. And I, I don't agree with shaming at all. I don't think people should ever make fun or shame anybody because that means you don't value that person as a human being. But what you should do is be honest with them and tell them, like, you know, this isn't a healthy lifestyle. Like you need to go about this in a different way. And if you're not saying that at all, if you're like holding that back because you think it's mean or something, you're actually being more mean and not telling them anything. You're being more mean and like holding back the truth from them and not and not being straight up and honest with them. Right. You know, like I, I even heard I even remember uh, uh, Elijah Long, who's, like, you know, a guy that's very influential to me. I remember him talking about a story where there's he was like in like a, a, a jujitsu class and there was a guy there and the guy was talking to him about how like his girlfriend cheated on him and he was like all depressed and he was like drinking and stuff. And he said like, Oh, you know, I feel so bad. Like he gave him all this sympathy. And then he said like later on, he's like, I really regretted not being completely honest with that guy. He's like, I really regretted not telling that guy that he needs to like keep that in the past and move on. And just like, you know, like get back into the rhythm, like get back into life. Right. So we need to be careful of like what we're doing to other people. Like, are we really helping them or actually not helping them? Are we like, you know, because this is the idea of, of false compassion. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's like, there's like a million definitions you can give it, but like false compassion, like that's what, it, that's what it is. Like false love, false compassion. It's like kind of giving, allowing people to do whatever they want. And it's not even because another thing too, is people think it's like a form of control where it's like, I'm, Oh, I'm like telling you to do this. No, it's not. It's just about being honest. Like people can do whatever the hell they want. Like I'm like a libertarian. Like, be, like if you want to do whatever you do, you man, I don't care. But like, I will be honest with you. Like I will tell you. And the things I'm telling you is, is from love. It's from a sense of compassion because these are things I faced in my own life. Like if I do a drug, like if I do some drug and like I get addicted to it and I realize it's a horrible thing. I'm going to tell somebody else about it. Not because I think that they're like, I think they're like a piece of crap because they're doing this drug. I'm going to tell them because I care about them because I want okay, to be so honest with them. And I, and I key, want to tell them that this, this is not good for them. Right. So the key is how to support someone in a way that they can hear it, right. That they can hear it and they can respond to it. So there's two essential components here. This is a very interesting subject. It's a very important subject uh, that everybody um, has been challenged with at some time in their life. So I'm glad, glad it's coming up. Uh, 
So the first part, we could call it the feminine, since we're talking about masculine as part of the theme of the, of the, the podcast today. We could call the first part the feminine, the second part the masculine. All right. So the first part is when someone's telling you something, you know, that's a struggle for them or some challenge they're having or some pain they're having or some suffering they're having. The most important thing and the most fundamental thing is to feel like for them to feel like they're, they're being heard, that someone is hearing them, understands them and gets them. You know, so this is where displaying empathy and displaying compassion, uh, mostly by listening or just mirroring back that you that you're hearing what they're saying, and is 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 essential. And really, this 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 is a component of feeling like someone loves you as you are, right? Accepts you as you are, loves you as you are, and they're your friend, no matter what. They're your dad, no matter what, or your son or your mother or your whatever, your cousin or aunt, whatever you are to them. Like there's a sense of unconditional love. You know, they got your back no matter what. Well, even even if they're not family, like, like you're realizing that they have a stranger, a stranger in the street. Yeah. All right. So, uh, once that's established, um, there's, there's a certain feeling that's there. Like there's a certain feeling of uh, feeling this person cares about me, basically is what it comes down to. All right. Mm-hmm. This person cares about me. They're on my team. Okay. So now that we have that, then um, there's a sense of connection. I was trying to remember a phrase in my mastermind group last night. And the phrase is connection before correction, connection before correction beautiful, important phrase. So now we have connection. So now once there's connection, now I'm like, Hey man, this is the masculine. Now we have time for the masculine. So now it's like, like, Hey man, like you gotta get your shit together. Like you gotta, you gotta like set your game up here, you know, like, like, right. So, but that only happens when there's like already connection. Cause I, this, I know this guy cares about me. Now that he cares about me, I'm going to like listen to what he has to say to because he can see where I can potentially go. He can see what's possible for me. I might be able, I might not be able to see it for myself. But I'm kind of like down on myself, you know? So mm-hmm. he's, he's pushing me to like a higher level. This is what a great coach does, right? A uh, life coach, or even like a basketball coach or a soccer coach or, you know, relationship between a father and a son. Right. So I might like challenge you in different ways to like to, to do better ways. I see you can like improve yourself and, 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 you know, be, be better. But that's because I know, I already know that, you know, that I care about you, that I, you know, that we're on the, that, that there's a connection that's there. But if I didn't feel a connection was there with you, or if I, if, or if I didn't better said, if I didn't feel like you felt that connection, like if let's say you're just some random person, I wouldn't necessarily go up to you and like tell you what you should be doing, how you should change your life and stuff, because you don't know me, you know, you'd be like, I don't know you, man. Like, who are you? Like, who are you telling me what to do? Right. But if, but if we can talk and I can establish like, Oh, he, if he can feel like, Oh, this guy cares about me. So I'm, I'm paying attention. Does he, can he tell that I care about him? Can he tell that like we're connected? Can he tell that I, I understand, I get where he, where, what, what life is like for him. And then if that's there, then, I can start to give you ways to like 
you know, do better in your life. Here's how you can lose weight. You know, here's how you can have better relationships with, uh, with women. Here's how you can, uh, make more money. Here's how you can like, you know, like live more the life of your dreams. Um, and, um, and, and, and really like step, step your life up, like get your life together. But that, that part comes in where the empathy and compassion is there first. So we don't want to like discount that because otherwise people don't listen. You know, mm-hmm. we want to feel like that's there first. And if that's there first, then we can go all kinds of places together. You know, all kinds of transformation and change can happen if that, if that fundamental component is there first. And the two, ideally, the two go together, right? And that's why ideally in all of our lives, we need that uh, feminine archetype and masculine archetype. Like we need both. Right. Mm. So maybe not everybody has like a, a biological mother and father that they're close with. But if you don't have that, you need somebody, somebody that like represents that masculine and somebody that represents that, that, that feminine. And when you have both, then you can really, you can really soar because you have both these elements together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like what it, what it really boils down to is like everybody wants love. Like what, what, what does the world need? Like what does every individual want? And why do people become like people always say like evil is like an objective thing. But to me, like evil is just like the lack of love. It's like people who are never shown love. And because they were never shown love, they become evil or they become like, you know, these people that like resent the world because either nobody has shown them love or they can't love themselves. But really, like, it's all about loving yourself. Like that that's where like. That, that's like the most fundamental aspect because once that's done, then, then you are complete. But part of loving yourself is understanding that other people can love you as well and kind of being shown that love from somebody else. So I, yeah, I, I do think that's very important. Uh, I think that, that uh, the feminine is, is, is very crucial and that kind of brings me to the idea of, uh, of shaming because I feel like in our society, like, uh, and, and this is more of a problem, like with, uh, I mean, it's a problem with, with, with both sides of like political spectrum, but I do see it a lot with, uh, like the, the very like fundamentalist Christian, uh, route. And I feel like the reason why our society kind of doesn't function as well is because that's the idea of spirituality that we have is this like this idea that's like all about like shaming people and like, telling people that like they're bad like you're bad because you're doing this right instead of saying like okay that like you can correct yourself you, you can like do better and like there's nothing wrong with you you just have to like you just have to like put yourself back on the on the narrow path like put yourself back on the right route right so that's like um that's kind of the idea that like i think people need to adopt instead of like shaming people instead of like you know, saying like, uh, oh, you, you, you know, you're, you're fat, lazy, stupid, uh, ugly, like, what, like all this, like all this stuff, where does it come from? It comes from the person not loving themselves and they project that on other people, right? When, when you don't love yourself, then you're going to, you're going to project your own insecurities on other people. And that's really the only reason why people bully. That's the reason why people call other people names. It all stems from a lack of self-love. And if you don't have any, if you, if you lack somewhere in yourself uh, of self-love, 
then you're not going to uh, be able to show that, uh, reflect that love to other people. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is about caring. Um, and it's about not shaming people. You know, it's about like, like guiding people to the right direction in a way that's not shaming them in a way that's actually uh, still showing that you, that you love and care for that person. And the reason why you're telling these things is because you love and care for that person. Right. But it's not saying like, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell because the thing is there, there's going to be people that aren't going to listen to you as well. And that's another point I want to get to, but there's going to be people that no matter what you say, they're not going to listen to you. And you have to be okay with that. You have to face the fact that certain people are not going to listen to you. But the fact that you tried to tell them, you tried to warn them about these things is what's important. And that comes from a sense of being honesty. Because if you think that whatever I say to this person is not going to work and they're not going to listen to me. And because of that, I'm not going to speak out because of that. And you can see this a lot in our society today because of, you know, all this like censoring and all these things that are going on with the media. A lot of people are scared to speak out. A lot of people are afraid to say what they truly think. And because of that, uh, a lot of things are not changing in the world. Like, like a lot of evil, uh, evil is allowed, is allowed to, um, you know, it's allowed to prosper as long as people are silent, as long as people don't speak out, as long as people are lying and dishonest and, and don't actually, you know, like say, hey, man, this is wrong. Right. Uh, so as long as people like continue to be dishonest, whether it's because they think people aren't going to listen to them or whether they think they're going to get ridiculed or whatever, then people will continue to uh, like evil will continue to happen, whether it's people hurting themselves or, or hurting other people this will continue to go on as long as people stay silent. So people need to realize that you have to speak out about what you believe, whether people are going to listen to you or not, because at least you tried, at least you're being an honest person and you're giving them that, uh, that token idea that maybe later down the road, maybe they will say, Hey, maybe that guy was right. Maybe I should have listened to that guy. Right. And you need to consider that for yourself as well, because not only that, like a lot of people also, a lot of people have like really huge egos and they think that they're right all the time. And like I said, I went through so many different phases where I was like, I was so, I was in like every spectrum of the political spectrum, every, like I went, I tried to discover all these different religions, you know? Um, and one thing I've learned is that you have to be critical of every idea you take on. You know, that's an idea in philosophy. Like you cannot be a philosopher unless you are critical of your own ideas. And in the same way, you should never take on a new idea without being critical of that idea as well. Because if everybody just took on like every idea without ever like questioning it, then like our, our world would be like, it would be like destroyed because like, you know, everybody would be like Satanist, you know, like, like, like people would just like take on these ideologies without even thinking about them. Like, kind of a, a better way to even say it is like, don't be attached to any ideas. You know, that's, that's one of the things I've seen with, uh, there was a, I just want to talk about science and there's like this saying now, of like, oh, the science is settled on that. And like, it's like, well, that's like the most anti-scientific thing you could possibly say. It's like science is not about like attaching yourself to some previous belief. It's like always looking continually again and again, always being in the, 
always being continually in the, in the act of observation and seeing yeah. what's true in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, that's true science and that's true spirituality. And that's, that's the way to live our lives is to be curious, to discover what's true in each moment. And I think, you know, talking about the society, we're in our society, if we could, if we could um, approach life from that place, as, po- as opposed to everybody having their agenda or their angle or how they want to manipulate the, the situation or how they want to coerce somebody to do this or do that, you know, and a lot of this actually, well, it comes from a few different angles, but the, the, the core thing to connect to is that sense of um, self-honesty and being able to want to discover what is true, you know, moment by moment. And when we, when we can have conversations from that place, it's a whole different dynamic that opens up uh, between us. It's, it's completely a whole, dif- whole different dynamic because what do you have today? Like, like, let's think of the average conversation today. It's like two opposing forces, right? If you want to have a debate, it's like two, it's like one, it's like one person that's like pro this or one person that's like anti this or like one person has this ide- ideology, one person that has another ideology instead of it just being two raw human beings who want to converse and learn, right? Why can't, it, why can't it be that? Why can't it be like two people who want to share ideas and together figure out what's good for themselves and society? Like, I feel like, and that's why I always say, like, I, I honestly, like, I think America is, is like a beautiful country. I think it has a lot of potential, but the way that our political system is run, the way a lot of things are run is just not good. You know, this like whole bipartisan system, this idea of like choosing a side, it's just it, it's not a good way of it's not human, you know, because like as humans, like, yeah, some people say, oh, yeah, you know, we're primal and we like to pick sides and all that. OK, yeah, there is like some truth to that. But like when you actually get down to like the root of how people function, it's through like tearing away these ideologies and finding the truth, like brushing away this dust and seeing what's underneath that we, we all can agree on, like seeing this fundamental truth that is not, does not change. And that's the problem with society because society believes, like a lot of people are becoming nihilistic and they believe that there is no fundamental truth, that there is nothing that people can agree on. And we're always gonna have opposing sides because if people grew up in different, uh, different families and different things and they take on these ideas. And yeah, that's true, like our environment forms who we are but the the like physics like that like you can think of it also in science like in science we have this idea of physics right physics doesn't change like we discover new physics but like i i can drop this i can drop this that pen right and that's gravity i know like i know gravity is always going to be there i know that's like a fundamental law of the universe and in the same way like there's these laws like the like the laws of cause and effect right like consequentialism we understand this to be a fundamental law in our universe, right? And through understanding that law, we can come to common ideas where it's like, if we do this, then this is going to happen. And that's a very, you know, that we don't want that to happen. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. And we both have a common, like we both want to live well. So we should not uh, allow, we should not do this because we know this is going to happen. And everybody can agree on that. Like it's, you don't have to be a, a, a rocket. It's not rocket science. You know, you don't have to like, you know, it doesn't matter what ideology, what environment you grew up on. Everybody can agree that like 
there are certain consequences, certain consequences that happen because of the actions you take. And through understanding that, through having like mutual uh, conversations with people, that's not like aggressive. That's and that's again where you uh, where you were talking about like having the feminine because I feel like the feminine uh, in a lot of ways like there is there is a lot of a feminine in our society, um, but it's not like geared toward the right direction. I think like what it needs to be geared towards is having these genuine conversations where we can sit down with somebody, put aside our ideologies and have a genuine conversation where we actually respect the other individual, where we actually care for the other individual, right? Instead of saying, well, oh, you're, you're uh, a, cons- you're a, a, a Republican or you're a Democrat. And like, because of that, I don't want to talk to you. Like it, it actually amazes me how divisive our society has become. And you would actually think it would be the opposite because we have all these movements going on and all these different things going on. And you would think that our society would have become more integrated. You would think that our society would have become more uh, more open and more open to new ideas and conversations. But instead, our society has become extremely abrasive, extremely um, you know defensive and it's amazing because you say something to somebody, you say an, an idea to somebody and they immediately become defensive. They immediately feel like you're attacking them. They immediately feel like their whole, <laughs> their whole uh, reality. So is why do you feel like that is? Way. I feel like the main reason is because, and, and this is like the really fundamental rule. I'm, I'm going to get to like the real fundamental root of why this is. The real reason is because of underlying trauma and lack of identity. That is the real reason. Uh, people have a lot of trauma that happens to them. And because they haven't gone through the self-improvement necessary and because they, have, uh, they haven't really formed an identity and they haven't taken on like these lessons that they need to learn. And as you said, it's resistance. They latch on to these ideologies because it's like a, a structure that they can put themselves in. And they become so rigid within these ideologies that they actually attack people because it, because that, that's like what they live off now. You know, they live off like that's what makes them feel complete is by holding on to these ideologies, whether it's religion, politics, whatever. They hold on to these ideologies because that's that's what makes them feel complete. And then they kind of like they push away everything else, because if if anything attacks this ideology, their whole reality is stripped away. And they have to actually face that inner conflict. They actually have to face that identity that they have yet to form within themselves. And because of that, they're very defensive. Because of that, they attack anybody else who actually can actually cause, can actually strip away this, all this BS and get to that inner conflict because they have to face that, right? And they don't want to face that because it's uncomfortable, because it's painful to face this inner trauma. It's painful to face the lack of identity that they have within themselves. And I've, the reason why I'm saying this is because I've gone through this myself. Like I'm not talking out of my ass. Like these things that I'm talking about, it's, I've realized it through myself. I've, I've taken all these, you know, ideas like, you know, another thing too is like, like being biracial. Like that's a huge, that was a huge thing in my life. Like being uh, uh, black and white at, at the same time, like, we have this construct of race, right? You know, we're like, you know, it's like 
race is a real thing. There is, it's been proven so many times, right? Scientifically, whatever. Like if you're science, if you're like an atheist, you know, it's scientifically, it's been proven that like race is not a real thing that like there's no real differences in the DNA that can actually distinguish race as like a, a tangible thing. And it, it was created on the idea to like separate people and, and like uh, to, to uh, disempower people and, and, you know, to, to cause like inequality in society. And even, even though that's like common knowledge now, people still hold on to this idea of race and they latch on to these, these ideas because they don't want to face the, the fact that they have to face their own identity. And it took me so long to realize that. It took me so long to realize that I don't have to, there's, there's no like construct that defines me. I'm, I'm a human being. I define myself, right? And I have to face my own problems. I have to do these things on my own. I have to find out who I am on my own. And I can only do that through myself. Like nobody else can do that for me. No one can give me a label. Like all these labels society throws at you, uh, black, white, Asian, uh, liberal, conservative, uh, Christian, is, is uh, um, Islam or, or um, J- Jewish, whatever. Like all these labels society tries to throw at you. It doesn't matter how many labels you apply to yourself. It's never going to be the same as what, like who you inherently are as an individual. It, it's always going to be these like little, like, I don't even know how you explain it. It's like stickers you put on yourself. It's like stickers that like have these labels on you. Right. But like these stickers don't really matter. It's just stickers, right? Like what's underneath, what's underneath the stickers, what's underneath, uh, you know, the clothing, the things that you wear, what's underneath that. It's the real you. It's, it's your skin. It's, it's like, it's the real you, right? So unless people come back to that, unless people, you know, actively face their trauma, actively face these identity problems that they have within themselves, unless they come back to the, the person that's within them, right? We're always going to have people clinging on to these ideologies because, it's out of a, it's also you know all of it goes down to like doing the internal work first and uh, and and really like finding out who you are as an individual, removing all these labels, stripping away all these labels, and going back to the raw you and facing that. That is what will if every single human being could do that on Earth right now, which I know it, it sounds like it sounds like it sounds crazy. It sounds like it would never happen. But it will happen if people realize how beneficial it will be to society and how if everybody could face the raw them, if everybody, everybody could like actually face the true version of themselves, the true spiritual version of yourself, then that would completely it would be a revolution to society. It would be a, a complete revolution and we wouldn't see the divisiveness that we see now. I can't hear you. I think you're uh, I think you're muted or something. Sorry about that. I said beautiful, and then I said um, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the notion of race. That's something that we've talked about a lot, you and I, and talked about like talking about on a podcast. So I guess this is the moment. And yeah, it is amazing. You know, it's both scientifically and spiritually proven that there's no such thing as race. That it doesn't exist. 
it's a it's a false dividing line it's obvious you know on every single level that that's the case that it's a social construct that was created a few hundred years ago um, to create a subservient class and a what we want to call it a, a master class or whatever we want to call it a dominating class um, and what I see is um, there's kind of these two levels there's if you want to, let's talk about like America and uh, the African-American population. So there's sort of this one level of like, uh, these people are inferior and like, I don't, you know, they're kind of less than, and like, I don't like them. Um, and then there's like this next level of like, these people are inferior or not inferior, but these people are less than somehow. And I, and I want to help them. This is like what's big in like the liberal milieu, the middle. Well, well they're still inferior. The That's still team. a way of seeing that they're inferior. Exactly. Like you, you could you could say this inferior is, because this is what they this is what they don't get yet. And so the the third way, which is what I'm advocating, um, which we don't see yet represented anywhere really in politics. Well, I shouldn't say that, but it's but it's it's minimal. Um, but I think this is the true progressive way. This is what Martin Luther King realized when he awakened in his consciousness and other people who awakened in their consciousness is that we're all of the same essence. And when I look into your eyes, um, what I see is a reflection of myself and there is no difference between us. So then you're actually not less than me or above me and I don't actually need to help you or I don't need you to help me. Uh, we're actually equal, right? That's the true equality now, that doesn't mean that, of course, someone might, you know, someone might need their, their car breaks down. You have to help them start their car or somebody broke their leg or something. I'm not saying we never help each other. But the point is, you let go of that rigid stereotype, which is what it is. It's a stereotype that these people are less than you and, and they need help. And you have some really strong, incredible, like um, African-Americans that are that are speaking out this truth and Caucasian American people from all different areas that are speaking out and, and realizing this and coming from a place of empowerment because mm -hmm. when someone becomes empowered and you and I have talked about this like when someone becomes empowered the, the, you don't need the system anymore you're not dependent upon the system anymore right mm -hmm. you're not dependent upon the institution anymore you're not dependent upon the government anymore and the system the institution the government they don't like that because if you start becoming empowered in, empowered in yourself, then they're out of business, you know? Mm -hmm. So this, there's this convoluted thing that it looks like it's there to help you and to serve you and support you, but actually it's there to keep you where you are, you know? And the way out is the way in, right? The way in is the way out. The way in is, is to empower yourself and to connect with people who want to help you by empowering you, not by giving your power away to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's important to mention as well that empowerment can kind of get confused because there is like true empowerment is different than like this empowerment that we see in like politics where like this idea of empowerment in politics, like you see with some of these movements, uh, like Black Lives Matter movement, I see it a lot, where basically what happens is like people feel like they are oppressed and um, and they feel like there is an inherent 
disempowerment that they have. And because of that, because of that, they need to be empowered. But they're doing again, they're like doing it through politics, like they're doing it through getting other people to do things for them. Right. Um, and there's actually a lot of like, uh, which I kind of find amazing because there's a lot of like uh, African-American philosophers that actually back in the day, they talked about this. They talked about black empowerment and how important it was. And I'm surprised that I had idea. X. Yeah. Malcolm, Malcolm X, X. Malcolm X is one individual. Yeah. Malcolm X is a, a one individual and um, I forget uh, D something. Uh, D Wells or something. I forget his, this one guy's name. I was actually reading one of his books the other day. Um, and uh, oh, D boys, D boys. He was another one. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of like, like guys back, like a lot of like, like black philosophers back in the day that talked about this. And I'm surprised the idea cause has like dwindled down um, which is kind of strange, but. Well, I think that people are being manipulated. I, I think, I don't think it's even genuine. I think it's disingenuous and uh, people are being manipulated. They know that they can manipulate people with talk of race and with talk of, you know, all kinds of different things. We can go into details, but, but um, it's a disempowerment tactic. It's a way of taking your power, siphoning your power away from you and, mm -hmm. and giving it to me giving it to my party, giving it to my system, my corporation, my institution, and people are waking up to it. And, uh, you know, I think that, that there, there's, there's a, that tide is starting to turn, but uh, it takes podcasts like this and conversations like this to, you know, to, um, to foster that further. Well, I think for me, like, um, one thing that I've realized is that a lot of like the, you know, cause, cause I'm like, you know, my mom is African-American and because of that, I've, I've kind of had to face some of the things that African-Americans had to face. And it's what I realize is what I'm facing is not at all any external problems. It's it's like a mentality. It's a mentality that that confronts me that that comes with the identity of being black. Like if you are black in this country, then there's a stigma of I of of thinking that comes with that. And that stigma is I am less than I'm like a disempowered person. And because of that, I have to, you know, and it's, it's also a fear too. It's like, you have to fear the police. You have to like, I think the main reason, and like I was saying, there's two versions of empowerment. The, the empowerment that is very disadvantageous to people is the sense of empowerment where it's like, you are already at a sense of, of disempowerment. Like you are naturally disempowered. And because of that, you have to like bring yourself up to these level of people. And that's when it's like the Black Lives Matter. It's like, well, we, we know Black Lives Matter, and you should know that as well, right? It's like we know you're inherently valuable as a human being, and that should not be a question. And it goes back to the idea of race, where it's like the reason why race is so conflicting is because when you have these divisive ideas of like this is a specific race, this is a specific race, then you can actually find ways of like making society unequal versus just seeing everybody as an equal human being, seeing everybody as a human being and like you know, like helping your fellow brother and sister, not helping black people because they they can't help themselves. No, it's like this person is already empowered. They're already empowered as an individual. Right. So it's it's not about like bringing yourself up to somebody's level. It's realizing that you're already at that level. It's realizing that you are already valuable, that you already have the capabilities that anybody else has. Any anything that any person of another race, anything of, a, of another gender, 
And, you know, you see this with uh, feminism as well. And uh, I'm not saying like, you know, none of these movements like have like, they're all inherently like, they don't have any value. I think there are some value in some aspects, but um, you see this, like, I think it's a lot of it is, is uh, has a lot of problems. And like, the way people want to go, they're not really going about it the right way. Um, and really what it should be about is about empowerment. And it should focus on the people, not these politicians. Because once again, these politicians, you know, like uh, you're giving your power away to them and you're, and you're allowing them to do whatever the hell they want to do instead of actually solving the root problem, which has to do with the individual. Right. The individuals themselves, we are the ones who have to deal with our own problems. Right. And it's not it's not an anarchy thing. It's not like I'm not I'm not like in, you know, I'm not saying like, uh, you know, like revolt and like get rid of the government. What I'm saying is give the power to yourself. Right. Like I said, MLK, Malcolm X, who are these people? Were they politicians? No, they were not politicians. They were regular people. Right. Regular people that made change. And we need to go back to that as that part of ourselves where, where we are the inherent people that, that bring change to our country, right? We are the ones that uh, like empower ourselves. And, uh, and I think that's, yeah, that, that's the main thing. I mean, that's uh, the idea of, of, of race is, is, a, is a hindrance because people, when, when I think the most like, like uh, simple way to put it is when people can divide people, then you have a way of making people like making one group less than another, right? That, so like that, people, that's the whole that was the whole reason it was founded. That was the whole reason it was manufactured was was for that reason. And to act like there's only two kinds of people is absurd. I mean, anybody who's like taken a glance through any kind of study or travel through Africa or through Europe. Um, there's so many different ethnicities, there's so many different cultures, and, and you're, you're really doing a disservice to the, the diversity of this world, the diversity of the human um, experience, when you just say, oh, there's two kinds of people. I mean, and not to even mention, to say, oh, this person's Asian. You know how many different cultures there are in Asia? How many different ways of life there are? How many different ways of living there are in Asia? Like, that, that, that means it's like a empty term it has no meaning you know but like that but we use the term because we have to there's a way of keeping people divided so i think if we start talking more about culture that would be actually be more interesting because there actually well, is that actually is a real thing but at the same time culture is always evolving cultures are always intermingling they're always learning from each other picking up things from each other that's the beauty of the human experience as we travel through this world um we we are exposed to different cultures and then we pick up things from those cultures that we like that's been happening through all of human experience um so so yeah like going beyond this this divisiveness and realizing the unique expression that exists in all these different parts of the world um that then it becomes like this the spice of life you know that's that we appreciate as opposed to trying to say like, oh, there's two kinds of people, which is a false, you know, like I say to people, like if you, if you would travel, if you'd go from Europe, you start, let's say you start in Sweden and you start traveling down Sweden, you'll see kind of like lights, very light skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, you know, and as you start traveling down, you see this gradual 
progression of like people getting gradually darker, the hair getting more, you know, frizzy, curly, the eyes getting darker. Um, it's, there's no like cutoff line. It's just, it's, it's a movement of like, we're one humanity. As we travel the earth, we um, adopt dif different physical characteristics to, to, um, to, be, to be acclimated to that climate, mm -hmm. right? But we're all one family. That's the key. We're all one human family. And to recognize that, realize that is that's the true progressive. If you want to be progressive, like that's the true progressive. And that's where we haven't gotten to yet. But that's where uh, a true visionary like Martin Luther King, you know, someone like that, they see what's possible because they re they've recognized and realized the divinity in all of us, like we said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I have a dream speech. Like it's like. You know, I, I have a dream that, you know, my son will be seen for his, you know, his character, not for his skin color. And we're still heading towards that because, unfortunately, the people that consider themselves progressive are are still caring about skin color. They're the, they're um, the, I have to say, honestly, like in many ways, they're the worst to be to be totally honest. They're, they're obsessed, you know, politically now, like politically, like what what's being what's being liberal called liberals are obsessed with race and it's it's not a real thing it's fake it's a made-up illusion you know so yeah. if you want to live in a, in a life of illusion then you're gonna which is a life of division division is illusion illusion is division then there's a life mm -hmm. of suffering you know but well, uh, another another thing too and i want to make this point um you were talking about how like in other countries people are diverse uh, but people are diverse in America, too. Like one black person is not going to be the same as any other black. Like they're like you have black people who are conservatives. You have black people who are Democrats and, and people don't want to believe that because they're like, well, any any you know black person who like does something different is like an Uncle Tom or they're trying to be white or something. And then then you get into the idea again of like certain races have certain characteristics and you're being racist in doing that. You're being racist in saying that being a certain race means you have to act a certain way like how how much more racist can you be like you're, you're literally you're not like there's one thing of like stereotypes where it's like okay a certain race does a certain thing and like you know that's whatever but now you're actually telling people that they are wrong for acting like another race which means they're inherently like having certain uh like having certain characteristics means you have to uh be a certain race or like being a certain race means you have to have certain characteristics. And I find that ridiculous because that limits the diversity of human beings. Like it, it literally like human beings are like, we're not confined to our skin, right? Like, we, like, like Martin Luther King said, we have a character, we have a soul, we have a mind. So why are you gonna confine our actual limitless potential to our physical uh, being, like to our, our physical construct? It makes well, no sense. There's two elements. I think you're pointing at the uniqueness of each individual, right? Which is beautiful. And that's, that's really what it comes down to mm -hmm. is being able to like see everybody as an individual without stereotyping them as a race, to see them as an individual. And I, I hear this, you know, I hear this all the time from like good, good, well-meaning uh, white people about black people when they talk to me. You know, it's like black people, they have this problem, they have that problem. And it's like, they, they think like this and they think like that. And it's like, geez, you're going to, you're going to, you know, it's like, how about just talking to someone and like actually listening to what they have to have? And you'll find that 
there's a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of different unique ways of looking at things. Everybody's different. Everyone's got their own individual perspective to the point where the category itself, the label itself doesn't really make much sense. It's like, what does it actually mean? It's not a color, obviously, because you have people, the people that you were talking about, they're not actually the color black. So it's not a color. White people yeah. aren't actually the color white. So it's not a color. The whole thing's kind of stupid. Like, you just sort of realize like what a dumb world we're living in. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. It's not rational. And then you kind of wake up from the thing, you know, it's like, it's, it's really, it's really silly. But the other thing I wanted to say is within, within what we call black, there are cultures and I'm not an expert on all the cultures, but I know that like, it's like African-Americans. Well, what does that mean? Like people have influence in, in different Caribbean cultures and Jamaican culture and Nigerian culture and Ethiopian culture and you know even part, aspects of Egyptian culture like all these different cultures and the same thing with with uh, Caucasian you're talking about Russian culture Greek culture or Italian culture or British culture or Swedish culture these are really really different places mm-hmm. you know so we're, we're losing all of that that texture that cultural richness when we just um label people and really mislabel people in this way and again that label was was made for class so if you want to keep people in these different classes which the media does want to keep people because that that's good for ratings so they want people in these different classes but if we don't want to keep people in these different classes then we should stop using these labels that were based on class and aren't based on reality and aren't based on science and aren't based on spiritual revelation or realization mm-hmm yeah, I mean, yeah, culture is definitely a real thing. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not doubting that at all. I think culture is probably the one aspect of like, like history that we actually do carry forward in our society. Like African Americans, there's blues, there's hip hop. Like, there's a very rich culture there, um, and you know, like, and then again, that ha- that also has a problem with like the racial thing too, because it's like people are like, oh, you can't, you can't like bring yourself into this culture. You can't adopt this culture because you're part of this race. Yeah. That's, that's what they call it. It's like, you can't like, even though let's be honest here that a lot of people that live in our society, a lot of the people that, um, and, and I'm not going to doubt that there's like, there, there isn't like trauma passed on because that is, and that has, you know, obviously that has to be dealt with, but, um, a lot of people like to like keep, the past and bring the past into now, right? Like whether it's guilt, whether it's like blaming people for something from the past, which is extremely counterproductive, extremely. Um, or, you know, whether it's like, uh, you know, kind of, you know, like the, the cultural appropriation thing where it's saying like, you know, like white people can't take on this culture or black people can't take on this culture or whatever. Uh, people have been culturally, if whatever you want to call it, cultural appropriation, people have been doing that for centuries. People have been assimilating into different cultures. People have been adopting ideas from other cultures for centuries. People have been doing this. And it's it's a natural part of being human, right? You know, because people are, are in different environments. People grow up in, like, if, if a white person grows up in, a, in like, an urban environment where they're surrounded by African-Americans, do you really think it's fair for somebody to say, you can't adopt this culture? Do you think that's ethical at all? Do you think that's realistic at all? Do you think well, that person's going to be okay if that like, like, I'll give you like, I'll give you like the counter argument just so we, cause I, I know people will be listening to this and they're, they're going to say this. So we'll bring it forward. So 
the idea of cultural appropriation is that somebody in a position in a position of privilege uh, takes the culture of someone who's not in a position of privilege and then they benefit off of that culture, you know, financially and status-wise and otherwise. So um, I'm watching um, the history of rock and roll, which I was telling you is like fantastic. And so what happened there was um, you had this incredible music that came out of the African-American community, primarily in the South and then into Chicago, um, which was based in blues primarily and then kind of shifted into what would be considered like rock and roll, the early, early days of rock and roll, people like Little Richard and, and so forth. And then, um, and then the, some white artists, uh, Pat Boone, but um, the, the main, the big one was uh, Elvis Presley. So Elvis Presley, they found this guy who was like a handsome white guy who would like do the, the what was considered the black music. Then it crossed over into the white uh, mainstream and then he made all this money and people look back on that and there's a feeling of being upset because hey this guy like you know he 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 made money off of this this music that was started by by um african-american artists so um you know i so it's like okay i you can see where they're coming from but the bottom line is like it's a free world and like if people like a certain culture of music and they want to sing that that kind of music or they want to play guitar that kind of a way, like, come on, like, let people do what they want to do and get into what they want to get into and eat the kind of food they want to eat and wear the kind of clothes they want to wear and wear their hair the way they want to wear their hair. Like, it's just about freedom, you know? And, like, I understand that, like, there could be a sense of, like, hey, this person's not respecting where this tradition comes from or they don't understand where this tradition comes from. And those are conversations that can be had. But um, I think most people, um, they're coming from a place of appreciation and you can't, you can't stop it. Like it's, you end up being basically a segregationist, right? Like if you're really gonna take a strong stance on this, you end up being like a segregationist, like, oh, only these people with this color and this culture can do this. And these people, this color and culture, we're, we're going yeah. back to the days of segregation. So you got to let culture just travel and flow and let Japanese people do hip hop and well, you know, it's, rock and roll or whatever they want to do. It, yeah. I mean, you are a segregationist because we live in so, like now other countries a little bit different because more some countries are more homogenous. But um, America is one of the most diverse countries in the entire world. And if you think that you can stop culture from you know, uh, mixing and, and spreading to different people. Like it's like, do you know how many like white people listen to rap music and how many, uh, you know, black people like listen to rock and roll or alternative or whatever? Like, it, it's like, like, it's, it's amazing. Like, like how many of the general population like that, like black people make 13% of the population, but what's the music you hear on the radio? It's, it's music from it's music that originally comes from black roots, like hip hop, uh, rap music, stuff like that. Right. So it's like, if this, if this music is, is being so widely spread so easily, then it shouldn't be a problem that, uh, people are, uh, you know, adopting this culture because we live in a, in a homogenous society where it's inevitable that culture is going to cross racial lines. And I shouldn't even be saying racial lines because again, like race isn't a real thing, but yeah, it, it is very segregationless because, our country is 
diverse and it's becoming increasingly diverse, right? Well, so what's cool too, what's cool too is that as a culture, as another culture gets exposed to, as two cultures meet each other. So let's say, uh, let's, let's go back to rock and roll. Like one thing that's really interesting that doesn't really get talked about as much is that rock and roll was founded um, in the African-American community, you know, that the music was, was rooted there. Mm-hmm. But then as the Europeans got exposed to rock and roll and they started playing it, they gave it like a little different tweak, a little different flavor. And it started to get different, right? So when a culture becomes exposed to other culture, they take that art form and they do something a little bit different with it that would not never have happened if they had it. Mm-hmm. So you actually like, it's actually valuable to have these different cultures exposed to other cultures because that then they add their culture to the music and they bring something new um, out of it. You know, that's, that's, uh, that, that's what, that's what life is. That's what this is. It's, it need, we need that evolution of the cultures mixing to continue to evolve and grow and, you know, expand in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's kind of ridiculous to me because like i think cultures like culture becomes more beautiful when it's diverse right it becomes it, it becomes something more beautiful when it's not kept rigid and people try it's like it's the weirdest thing it's like people try to keep the inevitable from happening right like the inevitable is is cultures mixing together and if you don't if you don't want that to happen then again you're like a racist person because you want to keep people for like like i said like somebody who's born and raised in like a predominantly like black neighborhood like you can't keep that person from adopting the culture like that's it's like it's it's almost disrespectful to them you know because like people nowadays like people have no connection to the past right like somebody who's born into a life where they're in a certain environment they have nothing to do with what happened in the past so if you're guilt shaming them or you're 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 saying you can't do this because so and so and so because you look like this, then you're actually the enemy. You're you're the evil person because you're doing a disservice to that person. You're being very like disrespectful and like you know. And I, I've seen like I, I've witnessed this firsthand, like in person. I witnessed people get shamed for their skin color uh, and all these things. Like people that are like you know great people. And people that were born that have like nothing to do with, I've never seen them like have a racist strand in their body, you know, and, and they get shamed just for, because of their skin color, you know, and it happens the other way around too. Like, you know, people like, uh, I've also like, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've seen racism as well, where people, you know, uh, you know, discriminate against black people because, you know, they, they see, think they're less than, or, you know, they'll make jokes or whatever. So it happens both ways. But what you have to realize is that the reason why it happens at all is because of the fact that there's something that they can point out that's different about these people. As long as that exists, as long as race is a real thing, then racism will be a real thing because racism is based on race, right? Yeah. So, so the answer, so that brings up a great question. Like, why is that question? Why is that? Why is the government continuing to fuel this separation? Like, why is this on when you like fill out forms for census or you fill out forms for college or universities? Why are they, why are they creating these, these weird divisions? That don't even make any sense. Like, well, you know, Pacific Islander and Asian, what all these, it, it, it becomes more and more. Um, but, you know, 
it's, I mean, it, it is there to divide us, to separate us, and then to create this and tension, this tension and this, this battle for, for power grabbing between these different groups that aren't even like equally set up. Um, and the whole thing, the bottom line is for me, like, I'm just interested in truth. So if that was a true thing, a real thing, I'd be all for it, but it's just not based in truth, you know? So if something's not based in truth, then why, how about we stop using those, those terms on like census forms and university forms and job applications how about we stop like like gathering all this data on these false categories, acting like it's, like it's well, starting there like like eliminating like these these false categories and all these and, and then um, allowing people to just if they're American citizens to just start to see themselves as American citizens and beyond that to start to see themselves as human beings you know across the whole world. Yeah. Um, that we all come from the same family. And as we've evolved and moved through different uh, parts of the world, we've adapted different skin tones and different eye colors and different hair um, textures. And we will continue to, we're still evolving, right? We're not done. We're Mm -hmm. still on this evolutionary journey together. Yep. Yeah. And now I will, I will say there is a counter counter argument to uh, what you stated with the uh, cause I was actually looking into this the other day and I was, I was like, why the hell do people still believe in race? Like, well, how is it beneficial at all? And there was a counter argument where it's like, well, and it was, is a basic too, because it was super hard for me to find anything on this because it's such like a ridiculous argument, but they were like, well, it's because like of the, the, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, because of the stuff that happened in the past, they right. have to like, keep these, like keep these labels. And I'm like, Like, it doesn't even make it. I'm like, I was just like baffled. I'm like, so you want to keep the past alive is what you're telling me. You want to keep the, the, the vision in the past alive. You want to solve the past by keeping the past alive. Like, uh, this, it was it's like the dumbest reactionary. thing. It's reactionary. Yeah. It's reactionary. It's not a truly progressive vision. And so I really hope people start to realize this and, and, and see this, that it's, it's not a progressive vision. It's, it's, it's reactionary. And it's, and it's counterproductive. It's like probably the most, yeah, it's probably the most counterproductive like idea. And, and I understand, like, obviously it takes a while. Like, I, I think this probably is inevitable and people will wake up this to, to this eventually. Uh, so, and, and I think a lot of the reasons why is like people have these, the people have to break to like a higher consciousness. Like we have to rise to a higher consciousness and the more people wake up to this idea that we all like, we all come from the same source. We're all like spiritual beings. And, you know, we just like, what is this? It's a, it's a piece of meat, right? Like, I like, I'm not saying like, obviously your body is important. You should take care of it. But like, really like when it comes down to it, like our true essence is spiritual. So like, if you're seeing, if you're looking at people because of their skin color, because of, you know, where they come from, whatever religion they are, whatever, like you have to understand that these are just labels. They're just labels that people throw around and, and not to say that culture isn't real, not to say that, um, you know, people do like pass on certain legacies. Right. But um, then again, like, like if you're looking at person, like a raw person that you've just met and you attach all these ideas and you don't even know anything about them, you attach all these ideas to the way they look, then that is, that is wrong. That is, and you should realize that you are doing something wrong in saying whether you believe it's a good thing that you know that you think this person's disempowered whether you believe it's a bad thing you have to realize that 
in doing that, you are being so-called racist, discriminatory. You are doing that exact thing. So until people can wake up and actually see individuals as like, you know, just people, uh, whatever culture they may have, like you can, you can, you can like, I, you can, you can see them as a person. You can see them as having an identity, but see past these superficial identities that don't, that are counterproductive, right? That are counterproductive to society coming together and working together and, and us actually understanding each other better, realize that these labels uh, uh, do not provide any benefit to us. And, and it's, it, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter like what you think the world, whether you think the world is, is giving you a disadvantage or an advantage, you are part of the problem if you are keeping these labels alive. It doesn't matter who you are, uh, what color skin do you have? It doesn't matter what you believe about the world. If you continue to have these beliefs, if you continue to, you know, perpetuate these ideas that they're like inherently people are inherently separate, then you are keeping, you are helping to keep this idea of discrimination, all this stuff alive. So, and let, like people have to wake up to that because it's just, it's the truth. And there's like, there's nothing else to it. If you don't want to believe in it, then you're part of the problem. And that's all it is. It's just going to keep happening if you keep ignoring it. And whether people want to face that or not, it's entirely, it's up to them, but they have to know that they do have that responsibility. It's a matter of like not being reactionary. I think as human beings, we're, we're really emotional reactionary. And through being conscious and being present, we're able to respond in a conscious, creative way as opposed to being reactionary. So the thing with race, I mean, you know, most people are really well-intended. They want to, they want to, they want to justify, like you said, the wrongs of the past and they want to do take actions to, to just to, to amend those wrongs of the past. But in doing so, what they're doing is they're actually just furthering uh, the illusion of division, the illusion of separation. And they're bringing and the past to the future. There are the, the, the past to the future. And then every, every action has a counteract counter reaction that just goes on and on and on. Like I told you, which I was obviously was going to happen. I told you yesterday that I came across this PDF online from a group that seems like kind of a new group, which is called um, white lives matter. And they have a whole PDF and they have all these, the, all these things that they follow and all these doctrines and stuff. And this is the inevitable outcome. You know, you're just creating more division um, when you when you focus on division and separation, you know, and then you 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 create division here, and then division becomes more over here. So we got to like step, uh, we got to transcend that. And honestly, like as as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, actually, the best way to do that, and this is going to be like, you know, surprising to some people listening, but I think the best way to do that is meditation, meditation, because when you get into the spiritual truth of who you really are then you realize that the same essence in you is the same essence in everyone. And all these false labels uh, start to fall away. And that's, that's the real, the real transformation um, for humanity is going to come through awakening and consciousness. You know, it's not going to come through some kind of political uh, law or some kind of, you know, anything other than, an awakening and consciousness. And when that awakening and consciousness happens, then there can be politics that reflect that awakening and consciousness. There can be businesses that reflect that awakening and consciousness. There can be institutions that uh, reflect that awakening and consciousness. And families, 
family dynamics that reflect awakening conscious, but that's the foundation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's, and that's like a very, I feel like that's a very simple thing to understand. Like it shouldn't be hard to understand that people have to do the individual work to make society better. Yet it's such a, like for some, for some reason, people have so much, such a hard time understanding that. And I know why it's because they, they haven't done the inner work yet, but you know, people, like people love to believe that like everything is going to get solved by these other people that like they have to use some external source to solve their own inner problems. And that's why I said like people latch onto these identities, uh, people latch onto these ideologies because of trauma and, and lack of identity. That is the reason why. And until people actually look inside themselves and yeah, meditation helps as well. But I would say the majority of it is just critical thinking and really doing like the inner work, like really looking at yourself, being introspective, looking at the way you think, the thoughts you have, the, the beliefs you hold. Do, are these actually valuable to me or are these a hindrance to myself and other people? Right. Because I wouldn't have this idea about race if I didn't struggle through it myself. Being like a mixed kid in a school that was like, uh, you know, I, I went to like a very diverse high school when I was younger. Right. And I had like multiple different friends, but I didn't know where to fit in. Right. I didn't like I didn't really fit in with the black people, but I didn't really fit in with the white people either. And I was like, you know what? But but then again, I realized like who I was as an individual had nothing to do with my skin color. Like, why should I hang out with a people because they look a certain way? Right. Like. I, it, it didn't take me long to realize that the reason why I felt so conflicted inside. And I remember I was so, I was in so much pain to the point where like, I was literally crying because I didn't know, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I fit in. I was like, why is this world so divided? Like, like, why do I have to be in a world that's so divisive that I literally feel like I'm being like torn apart on the inside? Like, why is that the case? And then I realized like, the world is not actually divided. People want to make it divided. People believe it's divided, but it's not actually, it's a mental construct that people make up. You know, it's just, it's this mental. We have idea. to align with the truth. Hmm? We have to align with the truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like a mental idea that, that people keep alive, you know, because of, of trauma and lack of identity. And they, uh, you know, they, 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 you know, keep these ideas alive of like separate races and all that stuff. And it's not really true. And, and once I realized that, once I realized that there wasn't actually an inherent division in people, there wasn't like a, a superior group and a less superior group or anything like that, then I was free. And I was, I was the happiest. I was so happy because I wasn't, I wasn't like confused with these labels. I wasn't like writing down, you know, like it's, it's amazing. You have to like write down what race you are and all that stuff. Um, and, and now, and it's funny because now whenever I do that, I put like other, cause I'm just having like, 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 screw this. Why am I going to like feed into this system? Um, but uh, yeah, but anyways, yeah. So yeah, because of that conflict I faced within myself and because I had to overcome that, that's the only reason why I can see the solution for society because I had to go through that myself. And I think a lot of people, like a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to like, like, I, I don't know if like other, you know, I'm sure like other bi- biracial people can probably relate. Um, but if you're like really somebody who's grown up in like a diverse environment and you've, you don't really like fit into like any of these groups, like you don't fit into, um, you know, or like whatever, you don't fit into one race or the other. 
it's, it's very hard. Like it's, it's a very like painful thing that you have to move through and you have to realize that like, you know, you don't identify with like you're, it's kind of what made me understand that race does not have an inherent characteristic to it because your character comes from something else. Like it's like MLK said, I, you know, I want people to be seen for their character, not their skin color. So like my character is who I am. It's not like my skin color. It's not the fact that like, you know, um, you know, it's not the fact that my dad's white, my mom's black or whatever, like, you know, and because of that, I'm like a specific, no, it's because like, who I am is based off of the way I carry myself, the way I act, the way I treat people. That's what matters. And if you if you're saying otherwise, then then you're you're part of the problem. Again, you're part of the problem. You're evil. You know, I I, I don't like throwing the word the word evil, but you're you're you going that word out a little bit loosely. Yeah, but you're going against like what is love. You're going against what is good for society. It's you're going a, against- it's a lack of a, I say it's a lack of awareness. Right. So like the idea is to support people to become more aware and more conscious. That's all it's ever about is like becoming more aware and more conscious. Yeah. You know, when you're more aware and unconscious, then you can live more intentionally and creatively to create the life that you want to create. And, 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 we, and then we together we can create the life that we want to create together, uh, a life that is grounded in. Uh, unconditional love that is grounded in unconditional freedom and liberation, empowerment, and uh, and harmony. Yeah, and I think another thing people have to understand too is a lot of the reasons why people, um, you know, people like like are racist or whatever people may say. A lot of it is insecurity, and a lot of it is like trying to like all, all of it has to do with self love and and self-development and un- and doing the inner work because a lot of the reasons why people are racist or whatever and i've, I've witnessed this like i I've, I've faced you know so-called i don't like i don't even like to call it racism because it like race isn't a real thing but you know it was based off of off of like my skin color i've witnessed people be racist to me and some of the people that i've known that have been racist are some of the most like i, I don't even know the word like they have the lowest possible self-esteem you could possibly have and that's all they have to their advantage is like putting down other people, finding a way to like say these people are less than. And you have to realize that, like you have to realize that like people that actually are racist actually don't even have any power. Like they don't they actually probably have less power than the people that uh, aren't racist, because at least the people that aren't racist, they don't have a they don't have any insecurities they have to make up for. Whereas these other people do like they live off of putting other people down. And telling people that they're they're they don't have any worth. So as long as you understand that, you realize that like, like really all people need, like really all people really need to do is find self love and find and it's it goes the other way around too. Like people that feel like they're the they're the um the people who are oppressed or whatever. You need to find the love in yourself to understand that you are not oppressed. That you are not in in like it's a mentality that you, that you're going to keep in your head that will keep you from succeeding. It it will keep you from going forward. It will keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so many of the people that I know, like so many African-Americans, friends, whatever that I know that have this understanding, they realize that they realize that like, like it's a mentality thing. It's like a, it's like a mental shift that you make. And through doing that, you become a better individual realizing that like race or whatever these constructs that you like, 
uh, put on yourself, they don't confine you. What confines you is the way is who you are as an individual, the, the mentality that you have. And through leaving these constructs, you open up multiple doors to new avenues that you can go into and you're not limited in any way, shape or form. So that's like one of the victimization to empowerment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a lot of it is, is just about empowerment and, and understanding that's what people really, that's what, you know, people really, that's, if we're going to support people, that's where we want to support people from moving from victimization to empowerment. And, um, think that's what we're that's what we're doing so so yeah let's wrap this up g anything else you want to share before we uh close out no i mean i think i think that's the gist of it i think um yeah that's the main thing people need to focus on is uh you know realizing that you're the creator of your life realizing that you are not the victim and and uh, I think that goes back even with the thing with race, you know, where it's like blaming the past, blaming all these things. You have to realize that you're putting yourself like the question is um, not what happened. It's like, what are you going to do about it? Right. What's the way forward? What's the what's without, the progress we can make? I want to make one important distinction. I totally agree. But without denying what happened, this is this is a thing that's important. So you have to like acknowledge what happened and then what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, because so this deni- like, denying what happened like a collective level, a collective level of like slavery and blah, 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 blah to individual level of uh, people being molested, abused, whatever it is. So that's what happens. Acknowledge that's what happened. Now, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And, and also like, and I want to explain why that's important Denying what happened means you're not going to face that underlying trauma. It means you're not going to, like I said, like earlier on, how when people avoid trauma, they avoid the problems that they they face in the past. They actually make it more of a problem and it grows because they're avoiding it. Right. So what you have to do is like even in African-Americans, I've noticed this in African-American population that there is a lot of like trauma that's passed on. I noticed it in my own family uh, and and it, it, I actually see, and I'm actually like, I'm pretty optimistic because I actually do see a lot of people that are actively like, they're actually realizing that that trauma is there and they're facing it. And it's actually very, a very, like, it's a very positive thing that I see. Um, but like, then again, it's like, you have to realize that that's there. And instead of blaming the world, instead of becoming the victim, become empowered, you know, become like, realize you have to face this on your own, whether it's, and I'm not saying, you know, you, you can use other people to help you. Like other people can support you. You can get counseling. You can do whatever, you know, for, for me, I went through, I went through therapy uh, for, di- for many different issues. Um, and that's why I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for having a support network and having people help me. But you have to be open. You have to be vulnerable to that. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable and open to that, to open to other people supporting you. And you have to actively hit the root problem. You know, you can't like, you can't say, oh, like, I want society to do this. I want like governments to do that. No, you have to go to the roots, right? Because like, you know, if, you, if you're going to kill a weed, you're not going to spray the top of the weed. You're going to like pull the weed out from its root, right? So go to the root of the problem, right? Go to where the trauma is. Go to that painful, whatever that, that, that pain is. Go to where that is. Face that become empowered and then go and change the world.
but in, until before if you're making decisions about the world and you're not even empowered within yourself yet then that is a problem and you need to you need to uh look at yourself and solve that first love you son all right love you too dad and uh and great conversation great conversation really appreciate you really proud of you and uh Thanks, everybody, for being here, and uh, see you next time.